Hello and welcome in. It's This Is Going Well, I Think, with David Cooper, and I'm your host, David Cooper. It's This Is Going Well, I Think, the show where no one's listening and very few people care. The show where every time we do it, it's the last time we do it. Today, sexual health and consent educator Samantha Biddy is going to join us for a wild, somewhat stream-of-consciousness ride. But we're going to talk about an interesting concept called compersion. Now, if you don't know what that is, and you probably don't, maybe you do. I'm not trying to call you dumb. Stay tuned and give it a listen. Starting now. Now. Okay, now. Seriously, now. Samantha.biddy. Samantha underscore Biddy. Yes. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Shaking your head. I, I, I like starting on a low note. That's fine. I feel like it's a good representation of me because like I often leave a terrible first impression and then my relationships with people are just building up from that bad first impression. This guy that I work with named Daniel Riskin, he's a science nerd. He, he's on the show I had the worst first interview with him in the world to the point where I thought he was so angry with me. He'd never show up on, on the show again mm -hmm. uh, uh, or the show that I was doing at the time. And, and but and that that happens not just with this kind of working collaboration. This happens just with normal relationships with friends. One of my closest friends, Ray, is not shy about the fact that when he first met me, he hated my fucking guts. Uh, <laughs> so that's yeah, that's that's it's nice to start by making a mistake. We'll build from there. That's so dramatic. I liked you right away. Oh, I liked you right away. Yeah, I liked you right away. Say more. Say less. Why do, why do people say that? Say less. That When did that appear? That appeared two, three years ago. Say less is kind of like a, is like a, I don't know. I, I don't mind say less. Like, I think that it's like where it's like, uh, it shows your enthusiasm. I suppose it's like saying say no more. Yeah, it's like like say less like i'm in i'm like very enthusiastic i'm down i agree i don't need like, any more explanation to I agree I that's yeah i just like i feel like i'm getting old i'm almost 40 and now when the kids have the lingo and i don't understand it i feel like my parents did when i was using words that they had no clue what they meant i guess this is just the natural order of things but you're more hip than me i don't know about that <laughs> i'm like a gremlin like in a cave, like I won't go on TikTok. I don't, people send me TikToks. And I'm like, I can't view this because I don't have this app. Like you, if you really want me to see it, you're going to have to screen record it and send it to me as a video. Like I am that bitch. TikTok is so fucked. They make it so if you click on a link and you don't have the app, you can't even play it in the, in the whatever web browser. You can, if it doesn't have like an age restriction on it. But a lot of the things that people want to send me have an age restriction on it. <laughs> You're right. You can, but you can't pause it. You can't really, do, it's like very limited. And I think they do it on purpose. Because they want you to have the app and I don't want the app. I don't want to talk. It's not something that benefits me. What about threads? Look at us uh, covering the tech news. Fuck threads. I'm so mad about threads. <laughs> Why are you mad about threads? I'm so mad about threads because it is literally fucking July. Like, did you, did you, like go outside? Like why? <laughs> 
why are we creating more platforms to share our inane thoughts and feelings and perspectives when we could just go outside and have relationships and build connections and actually like do activism and like all that shit. Like, I'm, I'm just like, I want everyone to know my every fucking thought. I would love that. That's so self-indulgent. Uh, it's just more material for AI. It freaks me out. I hate it. I don't want it in my life. And I'm mad. <laughs> like drop that in November. Yeah, would you, You'd be less mad if it was a fall drop. A hundred percent. Winter, winter. But isn't that argument you can actually help people do activism, get out there, be in the world, have a positive change? Isn't that the response to anything that's kind of shitty and self-indulgent? Be it like television, be it Instagram, be it anything. Like, isn't that a kind of a stock response? I value the the reach and ability of social medias to community build and create moments of advocacy and awareness and representation and all those things like i really do love that it's the closest thing to like dem- democracy we have however it's still operated by like massive like media conglomerates that can just like shadow ban you or censor what you say and all of that. And I also just think that it gives people the misconception of advocacy when they're really just complaining. Absolutely. I'm trying to look up this Mark Zuckerberg quote when he first started Facebook about like, I built it to pick up chicks. I forget the... Uh, the. It was literally meant so they could like rate the like hoes at their school. It's disgusting. And that's who the CEO is like. Uh, and they, oh, we're changing the world. Yeah, you're changing the world. Trump wouldn't have been elected if it wasn't for Facebook and the the ability to spread terrible fake stories on it so easily and have those shared by people you trust kind of thing. Contrastly, there's many mobilizations, particularly of women and feminist movements. You know, like they say, like the fifth wave of feminism is digital, right? Like, and that's been said for like the past 15 years, like plus, right? So there's, there are those, there are those flip sides And again, that said, it's like, who is responsible for moderating this? Who is in control of it? Who's making, becoming billionaires off of it? It is those uh, malicious and malevolent uh, entities. So, you know, here we are. Nothing is good and nothing is bad. Fair enough. I remember when the Arab Spring happened. What was that, like 2010, 2011? The what? The Arab Spring, uh, when like all these Arab countries were basically revolting against their um, their leadership. Do you remember that? I was still drunk at that time. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not laughing at you. I just, it doesn't matter. It was like a, a revolution in the kind of Arab world and it didn't turn out well. All the regime changes, if they happened, weren't for the best. But Gaddafi, the Libyan dictator, got deposed. And we were, the, I guess I bring this all up is it was the first time we were watching something like that on Twitter. And that was kind of, that was kind of amazing. And, and it was the power of social media for people to mobilize. Mm-hmm. And it didn't work out so well. And so I, I, I don't know. There's the power of it for people to most mobilize, but then there's the power of the platforms and governments who now are in the pocket of the platforms to just stop social movements, you know? So I'm not so sure. I don't know. More will be revealed. My new phrase in life, like, you know how I used to really lean on the phrase, who cares, nothing matters? <laughs> um, obviously, facetiously. And I found that it stopped working for me because... I care and everything matters. Uh, so now I'm leaning into ah, all's well that ends well. <laughs> I guess. We don't know when it ends. That's the whole point, right? It's like, 
all's well that ends well. It's like a fuck. It's it's my version of fuck it. I can't. I don't. I whatever. I'm with you. A fucking ass asteroid. You know. Is there an asteroid? There could be. And oh, okay. I was like, oh my god, is there an asteroid? I didn't know about because I'm not on Threads or TikTok. No, no. Uh, who was the star of the, of that movie with the asteroid? An Affleck. With the Aerosmith song. You remember that? What was yes, it? Yes, Armageddon. Armageddon. Liv Tyler, Bruce Willis. <laughs> what if an asteroid's coming to hit the Earth right now and Bruce Willis... First of all, Bruce Willis isn't well. He can't help. And what if Ben Affleck's like, fuck it. I don't want to go up there and destroy that asteroid. And then we all die. What if that happens? It'll be... Um, who's the like contemporary, like white boy, heartthrob, kind of like bad boy, white boy? Huh. Could it be Ryan Gosling? No, he's old. It's over for him. <laughs> he's you're done, and Gosling. He's like literally younger than me, but like <laughs> I don't know. Who No, he's Ken. He's busy being Ken. He's with Barbie right now. Um, who would it be? Like Timothy Chalamet? Like, I don't fucking know. Like it would be one of those bros though. It's not gonna be Ben. You think we could send one of those up to dis- we could trust a Chalamet to destroy an asteroid for us? I don't think so. I don't know. He's in Dune. He's doing shit in Dune. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, maybe maybe he's our savior, our Lord and Savior. Which I don't know if you read the book. I'm gonna spoil. Can I spoil it for you? I haven't read the book, but I've listened to the audiobook and audio analyses of Dune, and I know that it just gets really fucked and chaotic, and it's not like a happy ending in any way, shape, or form. No, and he becomes to some people, <laughs> although he doesn't, he did not to himself. He becomes a lord and savior. He becomes sort of the prophet of the people. Right. Right. So maybe yeah. maybe that's our next religion. Uh, we were talking about television when we before we started rolling. Was there, there was something we were going to start with that I don't know if we ever got to? Wait, are we recording? Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, maybe we are, maybe we aren't. But, but that's the whole point. That, that's, with it. Yeah. that's what I like about this format. Uh, Whatever's good. If we don't remember what we were going to get to, let's talk about this TV show. It's a reality show on Netflix. It's I don't I, I don't think it's a dating reality show. I haven't seen it. You have. It's called Queer Ultimatum. Do you want to give me the the elevator pitch, the 15 second kind of overview of it? Yeah. So the ultimatum, there have been, I think, a couple seasons with straights where you've got like six or so couples. One person in the couple wants to get married. The other person in the couple doesn't want to get married. These are monogamous couples. And so the person who wants to get married brings them on the show, which used to be hosted by Nick and Vanessa Lachey, as per the sadists of the reality TV world. And basically, the person who wants to get married issues the non-wanting to get married person an ultimatum. Either you marry me or I'm out. And the way they practice coming to the conclusion of these ultimatums is they all like meet and they all date each other. And then you pick a partner out of the other partners, out of the other couples that you think will help you to like grow or show you, you know, this is the the life of how I want to live, or maybe I miss my partner. So you, you become an ex with your partner. Like that is now referred to as your ex, even though you, y'all were together five seconds ago and you move in for a trial marriage for three weeks with this new person. And then at the end of three weeks, you move back in with your pre-existing partner and do a trial marriage for three weeks with them. And at the end of it, you decide whether or not you're accepting the ultimatum or if you still want to marry the person, or maybe you found love with somebody else, quote unquote, found love with somebody else in three weeks. And all the while, all the partners, like all the women and all the men 
are like hanging out. Like they go and they do like, they have like drinks and they go to like parties and they're like talking to each other about living with the other person's person. And then, so fast forward to queer ultimatum and queer ultimatum is all like AFAB. So all people who are assigned or assumed female at birth. So there's like a lot of women, there's some gender diverse people on there, but it's queer relationships. And then, so they do this exact same activity and it is, it is truly something. First of all, where are they finding these people who are willing to do this? You have to be out of your mind. I mean, what rational, even slightly rational, 5% rational person would be willing to do this and why? I guess the only reason is I want to be on TV. I can't imagine another reason, Samantha, can you? It's tremendously unhinged. Um, and yet, here we are. I All of my friends watched it, obviously, as like a queer person. Everyone's like, are you watching it? Oh my God, like we need to talk. Because I love, you know, I love Love is Blind. I love all, like, I love it. And um, I was like, no, I'm saving it. I'm saving it for when I really need it. And then I went through a breakup and I was like, now's the time. Now's the time for me to watch this. And I did. And it healed me. It helped to heal me in my relationship. My, my question for you is how could it have healed you? But the reason I asked that is because I only, I was about to watch this and then I saw yeah. a two minute teaser for it, a two minute trailer for it. And it was so savage and so brutal and so tough to even watch those two minutes. I thought maybe this isn't for me. So how could it have healed you? Like you just, other people's mess is restorative for you? No, it's not so much that it's other people's mess. It's like, you know, you've got these like 12 people essentially, and you're watching obviously edited and, and for TV and whatever, like you're watching their different relationship dynamics play out. You're watching their different like unhealed traumas play out. You're watching um, these people also form like really meaningful loving connections as well. And every character, like no matter how on the spectrum of like somewhat kind of grounded to like completely unhinged at any given point, you're like, I'm Mildred, I'm Vanessa. <laughs> I'm Mal. Like you, I don't know. You just see yourself or you see parts of yourself in all of these different, you know, women and, and gender non-binary, et cetera, people. And it also just affirms for me how deeply I am polyamorous and how much, how important it is to me that my romantic connections are not the most important thing to me or like my romantic sexual connections aren't. And that like also that queer love is like so vast. And so it's interesting to watch queer folks align with heteronormativity and align with these ideas of like a certain type of relationship being like the ultimate relationship. Which form. which in this show would be marriage, which I kind of reject being a divorcee. Uh, and I know I'm amongst good company. We are the divorcees. Uh, first podcast I ever did as a guest was called Ask a Divorcee. These two comedians <laughs> brought on divorce people. And I somehow ended up confessing to the way I first masturbated when I was seven. You know, what? I'm totally derailing this. But uh, yeah, so so the fault in these people you see in yourself uh, at times kind of thing or the humanity in these people you see in yourself. Sure. And, and also just like in the straight ultimatum, they never show them fucking like it's always it always like because people get into these trial marriages and they hook up and stuff, even though they're like not really broken up with their person. 
And so in the straight one, they like never really, they might like allude to the fact that the people are getting close. Cause you also, you move into this trial marriage, like apartment condo or whatever, and you have to like share a bed and like all this other stuff. And everybody is so delusional and deluded like of their expectations and whatever else. But yeah, in the queer one, they like show some real, like some real hooking up. And the captions are really funny, like the closed captions, because it'll be like, it'll be like furtive moaning. And like, you'll see like, obviously like under sheets and like in like night camera, like finger banging. And I'm like, this is fun. It's a lot. I mean, I, at the risk of sounding too much like Howard Stern, how is it graphic? Are they showing body parts and stuff? Or it's just kind of raunchy and, and noise, noisy. It's raunchy for the climate, like in comparison to the heterosexual one so that was interesting and you know we could deep dive into why netflix made that choice about it uh but all i know is i was like yeah i'm enjoying this and it's salacious that's why they made their choice that's it yeah and i mean also too i was talking about it with one of my one of my friends and they were like do you think it's because mainstream media doesn't treat queer sex as real sex and so that was like a very you know that's an interesting layer somebody in the show gets finger banged and their like existing partner is like really upset about it and there's just like massive conversation about you know how do we define sex like what is sex and there's also a very like poly element to it where you've got folks who are all dating each other kind of like you know forming bonds forming relationships sharing information about partners and yeah it's just it's an it's it's so interesting and i'm not saying it's not toxic i'm not saying it's not harmful and i'm not saying that it's not dysfunctional it absolutely is i'm a sicko for enjoying it but as someone who has like devoted their life to relationships and like the inner workings of our minds around like our different blueprints for relationships and what we're seeking from them it's fascinating and i was entertained it sounds it. I might actually, ch- I'm going to check it out. It's just, there's, I feel like there's so much good TV right now. And with the writer's strike in about a year, nine months, there's going to be no TV. So I'm kind of, right. I'm saving things, you know, all the shows that I want to come back within a year are not because of these writers. God damn these writers for wanting a fair rate wage from these networks. It's so rude. They should think about me, right? I mean, that's a joke. I'm, I'm in support of the writers. I'm not in support of us not getting TV, but these are working creatives they're being taken advantage of by large corporations. Uh, they have my support. No, I, I know you were joking. I just had nothing clever to retort with. That's why I was just like, hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's the new name for this podcast. Nothing clever to retort with. Hmm. I, identi- <laughs> I identify with you. I, that wasn't insulting you. That was calling me that. Okay. Uh, this show, perhaps an insight, perhaps a messy, at times problematic insight into polyamory. Before we started rolling, you were talking about how you've been doing which is, if you don't mind me saying, not the best you've ever been. Yes. Uh, but you had mentioned a topic that comes up in polyamory that I think unless you're up with anything but monogamy, you'll have no clue what this word means. When I've used this word around other people, they have no clue what it means. And it's kind of a great word to know because it, it's a concept that I, that I don't think is otherwise named. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the word is compersion. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to define it to me, you'll do a way better job. Sure. Um, so my understanding of compersion is it's when 
the joy, pleasure, happiness, fulfillment of others feels like your own. So you're able to experience joy, happiness, like it brings you pleasure that others are experiencing pleasure. And I think it's it's something that is activated in people all the time, even in monogamy, um, just like within their own partnership, for example. So like, uh, a lot of lovers gain a lot of pleasure from providing pleasure to a lover. And then I think the kind of extension to that, which I think people are able to practice compersion in their platonic relationships fairly easily, where it's like when your friend is doing well, you're like, fuck yeah. Like you feel not just happy for them, but you feel that happiness because of the depths of the like love and enjoyment that you have for the well being of others. And yeah, so compersion in polyamory is when you know, your partner's uh, other relationships or the sex they're having or whatever it is also brings you joy, also brings you pleasure. And it isn't just something that you're like tolerating or accepting. Yeah. And it can happen in sort of mild ways in more yeah. he- more heteronormative couples. Like if a woman were to hit on me and I would be into it, Miranda would be in a full rage. That's fine. That's her problem. Uh, I mean, we it's my problem too, because I care about her and I, whatever, I'll not that people hit on me often. Like the once every 10 years it happens. I, I don't mind shutting it down. I've been trying for like two years. How long have we known each other? To hit on me? Yeah. See, this is this is a cruel trick you're playing on me. Uh, thank you, though. When men hit on her and she feels sexy, I'm like so happy for her. I think it's funny. You know, like the idea that she should be out and drunk. I don't drink. I'm not into that stuff. But whatever. She She has a good handle on alcohol. She enjoys it. Fine. And she were to like flirt kind of to the point that most couples would consider inappropriate, even a little kiss. And she were to come home, she would feel so guilty because she knows that if I did that, she'd be in a full rage. But when, when and if she has experiences like that, I only feel like happiness and joy for her. I think it's funny in a way, uh, in like a cute way, in a loving way. And I think a lot of couples, even kind of more standard normie couples can relate to that. Like, Husband gets hit on, wife gets hit on. They actually aren't jealous. They feel good that they got to feel sexy for a second. This is one way in which it can come up for people who otherwise don't consider themselves non-monogamous. Yeah, and I think also, like, there is a difference between that and someone who likes it because they feel like it reflects positively on them. Like, oh, other like I feel good because other people want my partner. I and not that there's anything wrong with that, but I don't think of that as compersion. I still think of that as some, being something very like self-centered and egocentric. But you though, you are not like I don't think that you are like obviously you're in a monogamous partnership with a monogamous person. I don't think like based on all of our conversations about everything and just your core disposition, you're fairly like polyamorous like in your spirit in that you don't have you don't hold certain values that people have rigidly in monogamy i don't i met miranda when i was in a polyamorous 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 uh polyamorous relationship uh i guess i swing both ways you know i'm 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 the bisexual of relationship orientation it's called ambiamber ambiamorous ambianus (laughs) ambiamorous yeah yeah and i think that can at times worry my partner. And so I'm, but I, you know, I'm, I, I'd be, I think a younger me would have felt more angsty about it. In fact, we've broken up in the past over that. Uh, maybe not exactly that, but as soon as we broke up, I'm like shouting in the streets, I'm Polly. 
Um, yeah. I mean, that was six, seven years ago when I was still on the Xanax and booze, but. I, a distinction with ambiamory though, is that it's not just someone who's poly, who's willing to be in a monogamous relationship. It's someone who feels fulfilled in either monogamy or polyamory, not to create a binary, that, that much of a binary, but I think that it comes down to like fulfillment and satisfaction. Like for me, I, it's not to say that I won't ever be in a monogamous relationship again, but I would not be in a monogamous relationship with someone who was monogamous. Like I, yeah, like I would need that person to ultimately share the like spirit and values and intent of polyamory because my polyamory extends so far beyond my romantic and sexual relationships. Like it has so much more to do with my friendships and the ways that I want to pursue relationships to their fullest extents that if someone was monogamous, I think that they would feel uncomfortable or it would be a transgression of their boundaries. And for me, monogamy is so marred with like guilt and self-restraint and like all these other things, not just in the like, oh, I can't fuck anybody, but in the like, I want to pursue, as I said, every relationship to its fullest and most sustainable extent. And for some monogamous people, it's like, well, I don't like that you flirt with your friends or I don't like that you told that person you had a sex dream about them. <laughs> like just stuff like that. And it's like, I have to be able to tell my friends when I dreamt that they fucked me. Like I have to be able to do that. And <laughs> you have to. I mean, I have to. And I also, the only time I don't tell them is when I don't think it's okay for their relationships. Interesting. As long as I know it's okay for their relationships or I'm like friends with their partner in a way that they know how I am and they know that I'm like not threatening their dynamic in any way um but yeah i i i tangented there but that's yeah it's interesting you talk about threatening dynamics i used to be of the mindset that like maintaining a relationship status keeping the partner from being jealous all this kind of stuff was solely on the partner Mm. for example if you were to hit on someone like that's not your problem at all even if the partner's not okay with that But as I've grown and aged and watched relationships come and go for other people and me and Miranda and I have broken up and having a marriage implode and all this, I'm starting to realize relationships are pretty fragile and otherwise happy, contented relationships that would have died with the partners in old age holding hands and, I don't know, a swan boat in the lake or something. That can be very easily punctured by someone who really wants to do it. And that's Mm -hmm. not necessarily the fault of the person who, quote unquote, cheats. And so I, as I age, I'm starting to realize other people's relationships and like other people's allegiances to their partners kind of is your problem, at least a little bit. Like, don't hit on them. I don't know. It depends on how you feel about cheating. I, okay, so I'm of two minds with this, where I am someone who believes that the person who is in a partnership, like, yes, like that, that partnership is their responsibility. That's their obligation. Those boundaries are their responsibility to uphold. Um, I also understand that people are just human. Yeah. Like humans be human. People cheat. I mean, so many people cheat. So if we take this insane view of it, like it's the worst thing in the world, you're basically cutting yourself off from a large percentage of your friends just by the numbers. I think that there's a layer of, you know, when I think about my values and my principles, I have a lot of capacity for people to make mistakes. I have a lot of capacity for people to transgress boundaries. 
to me, it's more about who they are after that, right? Like what does accountability look like? What do consequences in the denotative sense look like? As I try to move away from values that are binary in terms of reward and punishment, as if we are all perfect beings that don't have messy, sometimes messy and harmful ways of like getting our needs met. You know what I mean? And so um, to me, cheating is not a we're done type scenario. Cheating is an opportunity to like dig deeper and look at compatibility, to look at needs, wants, harms, wounds personality dysfunction, because I think that there are a lot of situations that happen and people conduct themselves in ways that are very circumstantial and not foundational. Like sometimes people do shit that is indicative of their character. And sometimes they do shit that's just indicative of the circumstances. And so getting to the root of that is the ways that we can like move through difficult core wounds, if you will, in relationships. I had a situation happen last week that like really kind of is like a good illustration of this, if I may. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I play softball. Um, One of the reasons I play softball is I love hanging out with other adults for like playtime. Like it's not work. It's not even friendship in some ways. It's just like a lot of different people as like a bisexual queer person. I'm like, there's boys here, there's girls here, there's everybody here and everybody's running around and it's fun and it's competitive and as an area. It's like the sandbox kind of. Big time. And I love competition because I'm a fire sign. So I'm like, this is like a horny place for me. I love this. So last week, one of my teammates has this like guy show up. He's a friend. He knows other people. All these people are all like cool and connected and whatever. I don't, I'm kind of like an implant. Like I just got there or transplant. Like I just got there. And so I'm like, oh, this guy's kind of hot. Like, whatever. I'm just going to like flirt with him. And so we're like flirting. And then he leaves like to go pee or something. And I asked my teammate, I'm like, what's up with your friend? And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, like, and then someone else was like, they're vibing. Like, that's, that's what I mean. It's like, yeah. Like, is he trying to fuck or not? And he's like, he starts going into all these details. Like, oh, he's married and he lives with his wife and this about her background and this about where she is right now. And I'm just like, dumbfounded by all this information and i'm just like all right are they monogamous <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and he's like uh you should ask him that and i'm like i'm not gonna fucking ask him that in front of all these people and i'm not gonna be like hey do you want to come i need to tell you a secret like we're like just and so the reason i asked was because i'm like all right this person's flirting with me i would like to escalate this flirting um but if this person is married i'm not really interested in giving attention in that way for someone just to like get their kind of kicks with me. Like I don't really, cause like married people love to do that. They love to flirt and they love to like, you know, push the line and they're like, Oh, but I'm married and like, whatever. And so I'm just like, okay. So I kind of like reined it back a little bit and he was still kind of like coming a bit, like it wasn't anything inappropriate. It was very like above board for anyone in a relationship. And my reading of that situation was either they're non-monogamous and like a lot of married people are like very private about Mm -hmm. their non-monogamy because there's still a lot of stigma and judgment about it. Yeah, they'll say they're in an open relationship. They won't say they're poly, which is so insane to me. It's the same thing, but go on. But even they won't even tell, like they don't let it be public knowledge that they're open. Like they're very, like they can be very private about it or they are monogamous, but he fucks around. That was my reading on it. And so either way, I was like, but... I just think the moral of this story is that married people who are non-monogamous need better PR. Like 
there needs to be some kind of signal so that I know that you're actually trying to like get involved because I, I also don't want to transgress the boundaries of especially a woman. Like he's partnered with a woman. I don't want to transgress the boundaries of another woman if I can avoid it just for my own kicks. Like that's where I'm at in life, you know? But as you said, people who have like malevolent intent, I do believe that they can sway someone and that it's a co-created situation. Yeah. I think that's like, you're talking about the circumstances. Mm. Uh, like you can aid in creating the circumstances for someone to cheat. And I think you have some culpability or you're responsible not to do that. When I was younger, I thought, no, it's completely on the person who's cheating. But like, mm-hmm. if, you, if you find out someone's married and they're monogamous, like maybe back off, maybe don't take the view. That's their problem. I'll keep flirting with them. I've shifted in this way. Um, you were talking about views on cheating. Before we get into that, what's your read on the situation? What do you think is up with this dude? Because he wasn't wearing a wedding ring either. And he wasn't playing sports. Like a lot of people don't wear their wedding ring when they're playing sports. He wasn't playing sports. He was just there for kicks. I don't know. I think your read's correct. There may be some other thing. I don't know. Maybe him and his wife were on a break and this friend didn't know. I have no idea. I think my teammate is a bad friend. He's a bad friend to me and he's a bad friend to his homie. By not disclosing what he knew. Yeah. Yeah. He's setting you up to be in a situation you might not have wanted to be in or consented to or whatever. And he's like either covering for the friend or not doing the friend the favor. I feel like it was a cock block. I was like. Maybe it was jelly. You think the friend was into you? No, no, no. Well, some I've, no. I know one. I'm not friends with her anymore, but she just doesn't like when other people hook up. <laughs> like generally speaking, <laughs> she is married and she doesn't flirt with other guys. She's, you know, whatever. She's actually not that sexual a person, at least not publicly. But whenever enter any, any, excuse me, whenever any of her friends are in public vibing with dudes, she puts an immediate stop to it as a matter of principle. She's funny like that. Salty, the opposite of compersion, like <laughs> so salty. Whereas me, like I am so, I'm in such a, and I haven't always been in this place, like a compersion place. I am so fucking hype about everybody's love and sex life. Like everyone, even like my own, even partners that I'm like not getting enough from. I'm like, tell me more about the fucking whatever you're like. I just love it. I just feel good about it. And I'm so grateful for that because the opposite of that feels like shit. Like when you're just like tolerating or accepting, it's like not the best. It's fine. But I, yeah, I'm just, I'm just in it right now. And I, it feels, it's like really, really welcome feeling. Okay. Well, good. Well, good. I mean, yeah. What was I going to say? You were going to talk about cheating and I interrupted you. I was like, what is this person's deal? (laughs) No, I didn't have much to say other than when you were explaining your views on cheating. All I could think of was, why are you even telling me this? I completely agree to you. But then I realized you're telling me this because it's recorded and I'm glad you said it. So there's not much more to say other than you were talking about how you and I kind of align in terms of relationship orientation. And and I think that's where we kind of align. Um, Mm -hmm. You're talking about being ambiambrous, being fulfilled, no matter what relationship style you're in. Mm-hmm. What's it? What amorous is it called when you're not fulfilled in life, no matter what you do? Because <laughs> I'm that. <laughs> uh, I mean, it might be, be called being Jewish or misanthrope. I don't know. But uh, that's uh, that was my good joke that I jotted down and never got a chance to work in. And now it was way past the timeline for when it should be said. Well, here we are. <laughs> here we are. Here we are. Yet again. <laughs> All right, Samantha. Want to play a game? Yes. Would you rather 
Sex Edition with Samantha Vitti. What would Samantha rather do? Play this game or not play this game? Play the game. Let's do it. Would you rather hook up on the beach or hook up on the dance floor? What kind of hook up? Uh, P and B if it's a man and a woman uh, or up to that level if it's uh, if it's if the junk kinda, doesn't align. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, dance floor. And why? Well, we you and I have had the conversation about sand and the junk yeah. type situation. The first time I ever had penetrative sex with a man and a penis was on the beach. Ugh. And it was a terrible experience. Oh, that's disgusting. It was a terrible experience. Not the penis part. Yeah, I, I, uh, I was actually, I went to the beach three weeks ago, two weeks ago, one week ago, I don't know. And I went in the water, I went into the ocean for the first time in years. And then I get out and I'm like, what the fuck do I do with my feet here? Because I had these old, Oh yeah. I got these Birkenstocks from 20 years ago, the loafer kind, which are actually apparently in style now. They weren't when I got them. And I can't even put them on because I got sand on my feet. But the walk back to where I was was on road and sidewalk with broken glass and all this. I walked home with sandy feet and sandals. They're not sandals. You shouldn't call them sandals because if they were sandals, they would be effective against protecting against the sand, and they are not. That's why those are called sandals. I literally have never put that together in my entire fucking life. <laughs> wow. Wow. No, that happens. That happened to me with, and this may happen to you right now, Frigid Air. You know, they make fridges. Yeah. The appliance company. Yeah. It's going to blow your mind. Frigid air. Frigid air. Uh, the air is frigid inside uh, the fridge. Oh, my God. That's the only one I got for you. That one those, blew those, my mind. Blew my mind. Those are the, like, I was today years old. Like, damn. Yeah. Damn, so. I got one wrong. I, I said the idiom, you know, you'll rue the day. I don't know what rue means, but you'll rue the day when I have to go to the beach and put the sandals on. You've heard that one. Yeah. I thought until, I don't know, three weeks ago when Miranda started laughing at me, it was I'll rule the day. And the reason oh. I got found out is I said it and then I said, why am I ruling that day? Wouldn't that be a day where I'd be upset? I shouldn't be a ruler that day. And Miranda's like, what are you talking about? And that's so, yeah, I was today years old when. Can I add one that I just found out that truly makes me a hot dum-dum? Up until like fairly recently, like arguably recently, I thought it was pterodactyl, not pterodactyl. <laughs> well, it's put pterodactyl, but yeah. <laughs> put pterodactyl. Uh, I'm trying to think. I, I, I was an intensive purposes person for a long time, but that one kind of makes sense because the purposes that are intense are the ones you're focusing on. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think what other ones I have. I love when people say peace of mind, like P-I-E-C-E, -E, instead of like peace, like P-E-A-C-E. -E. I love those ones because they kind of make sense. Like, oh, when I'm, I'll be satisfied and a little piece of my brain will be satisfied. Uh, this one, I think my brother had a new leash on life, which makes sense. <laughs> you gotta, your life has a leash on it. And when you're, uh, you know, you get something new and exciting in your life, you get a new leash. I mean, I love the ones that <laughs> slightly make sense. I really like that a lot. It's sweet. There actually, there's a name for these and it doesn't really work in Canadian English because we say egg. Some Americans or maybe even British people, I don't know, they, instead of eggs, you know, the dairy thing the, that come out of chickens, they call them eggs. Are you with me? Yeah. And so they think that acorns are acorns because they're kind of egg shaped. Makes sense, right? So they're, they're actually called eggcorns or malapropisms. And I have a list of them that I'm going to fetch for you. Oh, this one's good. Firstable. Rather than first of all, first of all. 
Who who's ever said that? I don't know, but it kind of makes sense, right? Like, oh, it's our firstable. It's the first thing we're doing. Oh, like first of all, okay, okay, that's kind of cute. I do like that. What about when all is set and done? Sure, you know, yeah. Life is like a mold of clay, and when we're fi- finished, the, the the clay is set. You know, throw it in the yeah. kiln. Uh, cold slaw. That one's great because it is cold. <laughs> This one makes maybe less sense. An escape goat, you know? Maybe all right. the goats are there and one escaped and we're blaming that goat for everything, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this one is maybe the best one. The Heimlich remover, because it does remove the blockage. <laughs> no, that is so... <laughs> <laughs> the other day, I a friend and I were texting and... He said constellation prize. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. You're aiming for, you know, the moon or the sun and you you miss and you end up in the constellations. He claimed it was an autocorrect. So I was like, LOL, constellation. He's like, it was an autocorrect. I'm like, constellation works, babe. Like, I'm not. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Think about it. Like, maybe you're aiming for a specific star. That's the prize. And then you miss. You end up in a constellation. Yeah. Love that. I also think the obsession with language propriety is like colonizer shit so it's like no fuck it like yeah i used to be really weird about grammar and and feel like it was like this important thing i guess because i had like internalized racism and stuff like that and now i just literally always have my auto caps off and if someone can't handle it they can't hang it's also ableist (laughs) if forget about the colonizer shit like i i have dyslexia yeah and so what comes out of the brain does not end up on the pad what, what comes out of the brain does not end up with the finger's type. Um, and so when you make fun of my grammar or I use a wacky word, like, yeah, it's kind of, I mean, I don't mind. I, I have enough, but I had a lot of shame about this stuff. Of course. Until one day, this was back when I lived a corporate life, but I was in a meeting and this executive who worked for this company that I liked, who I kind of liked, he's a good, good person. And um, he was presenting something to the whole company, maybe two, 300 people. And the CEO sitting in the front and the CFO and all these, you know, executives that are higher up than him are in the front row. And he's giving this presentation and he puts up a PowerPoint sheet and there's an egregious spelling error. Mm -hmm. And the CEO, she's jokey. She interrupts the whole presentation to make fun of him. And he just looks at her. He's like, oh, I'm really sorry. I have dyslexia. And then he kept going. And I know this sounds stupid. Maybe it doesn't sound stupid. But in that moment, I thought, oh, you can just do that. You can just tell people you have dyslexia and then they'll back the fuck off rather than Mm -hmm. toiling over whether you spell things right, reading things 10 times. I used to use a screen reader to read back everything I wrote and it would take more time. And now Mm -hmm. I just tell people I work with from the get go, I have dyslexia. If you see sloppy spelling mistakes in my work, just just correct them for me or let me know. It's not a big deal. Yeah. And it was that guy in that moment that made me all of a sudden all this shame about writing just went away. It was a weird moment. I love him. If you can't see it, you can't be it, you know, and it is really important to, um, you would love him. He's so hot. Oh yeah. He's got a deep voice. He's a tiny little Jewish guy, maybe like three, four inches smaller than me, like so ripped and so like kind and not macho, but still ripped at the same time. Send him my Instagram (laughs) honestly, because it is so dry out here. (laughs) And I've started going on field in the like other cores. So on field, the dating app, you don't have to date within your area. You can be like, I want to see what's good in New York. I want to see what's good in London. I want to see what's good in San Francisco. And I've been like, you know what I need? 
I need someone American who's going to spoil me and like fly me down to see them. And so I've started scrolling in like New York, but I'm in, I'm going to dip into San Francisco and see if I can get me a tech bro sugar daddy because it's what I deserve. And Ain't shit in Toronto. Are you are you looking for someone with green card energy or are you just looking to be spoiled? And- no, 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 no. I just want to have a nice time. Like, I just want to have a nice time with someone who also wants to have a nice time that is like very non-committal in so far as it's like, I'm not here every day. You only see me a few times a year. Like, this is a really fun adventure that we're having and meaningful, like still meaningful connection. But yeah, I just, I'm not finding it here. And that's why I'm practicing celibacy light. I don't blame you. Uh, old timers. There's another one. Makes sense. You're an old timer. You're you're forgetting things instead of Alzheimer's. No. It's another one that people get wrong. My mom got that one wrong. Like, oh, they have old timers? Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's my Ooh. last one on my list. Well then. Okay. We've done exactly one would you rather, which seems appropriate. Um average sex every day or amazing sex once a month. That one's so easy. Amazing sex once a month. Yeah. I prefer that. I mean, that's that'd be great. Uh, car or the bathroom? Get busy in. Car. I'm a bathroom guy. Close the toilet. It's not gross anymore. I like hooking up in cars, though. I had a really good first date a couple months ago where we hooked up in their car, and it was so 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 fun. But with the steering wheel and the, was that a big car? I mean, it's so. It's a truck. The console did present itself as a bear, like a physical barrier, especially in my old age, like getting like a cramp, like reaching over there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just like being on like a darkened street and like hooking up, it just gave me like 2003 energy. You know, we had like made out at like a hardcore show before that. Like we were full teenage vibes and it was exactly what I need at this time in life. Like I've been fucking in my bed for a long time. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, yes, I have a home. I have a very comfortable bed. Like let's get weird in somewhere public. And then that's why the dance floor thing was so easy for me. Cause I was like, eh, I don't mind public sex. Like I'm not like, I'm fine with it. I don't know if you think of the 10, 20, even pre-agriculture thousand years of human progress and evolution, the bed is a great, great invention. And it's a classic for a reason. It's comfy. It's great. I mean, I'm a big fan of the bed. This is where we can really say that we've improved ourselves from the cave people. I guess. I, again, it's like when I was in my 20s and even my early 30s, I was very much like, I want to fuck in a bed. I want to be in a home. I want to have privacy. I want all these things because it, like, it was a novelty because I had done so much like hooking up in the wilderness. And now I'm like, no, I want to get finger banged in a public bathroom. Like that is my ideal scenario. Mazel tov. Would you Thank rather, you. this one I like, would you rather, and it's by a bunch of people, would you rather be watched or watch during sex? Both are great. You're standing in a crowd, you're watching, or you're the person being watched by a crowd? Both are great. Both work? Yeah. I think I'd, I'd rather watch. I think I'm too self-conscious. Yeah, I can understand that. Performance anxiety, et cetera. I don't mind being nude in public. I go to co-ed naked things all the time. But all the time. <laughs> yeah, all the time. All the time, Samantha. Define all the time. Like, what are the co what what are these events? Uh well, Burning Man. Right. As as her eyes rolled into the back of her head so far, they never came back forward again. 
Uh, and then like, a, you know, a Banya, Hot Springs, the places like that. Nude Beach. I don't give a fuck, Samantha. Although maybe not a nude beach because I do give a fuck because of the sand. Right. <laughs> okay, last one. Would you rather get busy? Would you rather be fucked by or, or fuck, whatever your, what's, whatever your choice is, your celebrity crush or your high school crush, but they're, you know, age appropriate? Celebrity. Really? I'm high school. I've fucked plenty of my high school crushes after the fact, and it's like, whatever. What's the Amy Schumer, Schumer joke? Or I just slept with my high school crush. Except now he just asked me to prom or whatever. That's that's the classic one. Because mm. it's a joke, right? Because he's in high school. Ew. I, I, it's a comedian joke. Don't like it. Don't like her. No? Don't like it. Mm-mm. What don't you like about her? Um, I mean, that's a conversation for a different day. But I don't... I'm not someone who can enjoy that type of comedy mm. probably because of the type of work I do probably because of the ways that I think it perpetuates harmful narratives about women not being predators, et cetera, et cetera. I'm joyless. Yeah. It's fair, but would you rather a world where that comedy just didn't exist? Uh, no, I think that somebody who buys a ticket and goes to her show is, and knows what they're getting, like knows what, the climate is going to be like, they're consenting to that content. And like, that's totally fine. Like I'm, I'm cool. Like I I do think, and I also believe in humor as a means of healing in regards to like harms that have been done. You know what I mean? Like a lot of survivors of sexual violence will, who are comedians will make like rape jokes, for example. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it might not be my particular humor, but I respect their agency and autonomy to, um, to tell those jokes and to heal in the ways that feel healing to them. But if like I'm not buying a ticket to a show where that is going to happen. So that's kind of my disposition about it. I kind of love that position. Like I find this type of comedy speech, whatever problematic, I won't support it, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it existing. Like I think if a lot of people took, I'm going to sound like a real conservative and I'm not <laughs> in the slightest. Um, but I think if more people took what offended them, but also was like, I have no issues with it being said. It's like, I'm not going to support it. If you ask me about it, I'm not listening to it. I don't think it should be given a voice, whatever. But like, I'm not trying to silence it. Not for all kinds of speech. You know, there's some type of, of speech which is violent, yeah. which is inherently violent. Um, you know, hate speech, these kinds of things. Incitement of violence. Um, I'm for the silencing of that kind of speech. But I think if more people took that point of view, we'd get along better as people. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, the left loves to tear itself and others apart. Like that's just part of the the disposition around it. But yeah, I think that speech that is dehumanizing and hateful, obviously I don't ever want that to be platformed in any way, uh, even privately. Uh, that's that those are my principles and my values around that. But again, it's like just because something is not my taste um, or is activating to me personally does not make it inherently bad or that it doesn't have a place or that it isn't serving a purpose to be what it's meant to to be, which is, you know, expression. What about speech that's kind of hateful, inciting, but done by that group as a as a quote unquote joke? Like, I don't know, take and I know Dave Chappelle's not necessarily like proud of the Chappelle show, but take things like that. Take me making Jew jokes uh, what, what do you, is it like just stuff that you don't want to hear, but you're okay with it existing or you find kind of problematic or maybe a bit of both? It's intersectional, right? Like it, it, there, there are layers to it. And the thing with Chappelle's show 
I loved Chappelle's show when it was on. It was of its time and it was a Black creator making comedy for Black folks. And even if it was, it pushed a lot of boundaries. It was problematic, even coming from like a Black man. And for anyone listening who doesn't understand, like I'm Black. So I feel like I can have a voice in this conversation. I don't really care to hear what white people have to say about it. Um, The problem was when the audience wasn't a black audience and it was being voyeured and it was being interpreted as permission to like move those types of narratives forward. And I remember very distinctly being around white people in like high school and post high school when Chappelle show was out and it it gave them like they felt that it gave them permission to say like very racist and problematic things. Um, And so it was co-opted and misused. And then his position now is fucking. Yeah, fuck it. Whatever. Right. And it's like, um, you know, we could talk about that forever and ever. You're like we we may be on opposite sides of an argument about that. But, yeah, I think that there's there's many, many layers to it. And it's how it's interpreted. It's how it's used. And it's I think that people of uh, culture are entitled to express and joke and do whatever it is within that culture but they do have a responsibility and obligation to be aware of who's consuming it and how and the impact of that and i feel that way about art in general Mm -hmm. here we are talking about art again it's fun i i don't actually i should probably look this up before but when Chappelle quit that show first of all i'm not a fan of what Chappelle's doing now it's not Mm -hmm. that it offends me so much because i'm hard to offend but i'm like pick a Pick another, like what? Pick it's on just someone. Not funny. Yeah, and it's like, just, it's, it's just not, not funny. funny. And like, pick not a, funny. why are you? Why? Like, why? Pick it's not a, even subversive. It's just hateful. And like, pick another. What's wrong? Pick white people. Like, pick another group to pick on. Like, it just it doesn't make sense to me. But as someone who doesn't offend easy, I'm, I just don't. My my thing with Chappelle now is I just don't pay attention to it because mm-hmm. fuck fuck it. But uh, back then he quit the show because he. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, or maybe you don't know. He was watching. I think the cameraman. Yeah. Or maybe one of the PAs laugh on the set yes. and it was a white dude and he was like, this is all. And it was during one of his particularly more, you know, out there sketches that was definitely playing those kind of lines where these are this is a black person kind of panning with the way white people behave. And he was watching the guy laugh and he's like, this is not it. And he's like, I don't want to work on this anymore. This isn't for me. That was it was like a laugh from the white gaze. Yeah. Right. And that was, and that's the thing. And so, you know, it's interesting for like, you know, his evolution or trajectory as, as an artist and as a performer and as someone who, again, was like very subversive was, you know, whatever, but his entitlement to make harmful jokes and harmful speech in the light of people being like but actually dog it's like not even funny like this is like this is kind of despicable and pointless and just feel so entitled to it. it like his his uh masculinity internalized hatred etc is showing and it's like ick sorry yeah. to have seen that i was sorry to have been witness to that yeah anyway i just i, rem- I remember that from back when you know i'm old i guess is what it is no i remember him doing like an interview on like oprah about it you know what i mean like when he came back from like he went to the motherland he's like i had to go to africa i had to be around black folks because i was like so poisoned by this white gaze in this white environment and you know it kind of comes into that intersection of like uh and this is why intersections are important is like because there's so much misogyny 
and there's so much uh, hatred in his current day work uh, towards trans and queer people and survivors of childhood childhood abuse. And it's like, yes, he is a black man. He is a man. And so sitting in male or masculine privilege is still, you know, weaponizing that is, is a real thing. So no one is exempt. Everybody is messy. I'm so much more interested in accountability and he doesn't have it. No, he's got, he's got too much support and too much money. And yeah. God bless America, I guess is the way. I wish I had support and money. <laughs> Just I <see>. want that. <laughs> well, I maybe you should uh, find a, a rich tech sugar daddy, I guess. Is... Send, me the, send, me, send me his LinkedIn or whatever. He's got three kids and is married. I don't think he's your man. Are they monogamous? <laughs> I think yes. Think is not no. Right. Yeah, I'm going to talk to some executive at a company I worked for five years. I'm just, I actually do have his number. I'm just going to text him, haven't spoken to him in five years, and be like, are you and your wife monogamous asking for a friend? Asking for a friend. Asking for a very smart and sexy, fun friend. <laughs> uh, I don't think... I believe in you, but I just I don't think this particular one's going to work out. The only reason I said he was hot is I just... Well, I, I guess I didn't have a good reason. You know I like him short and Jewish, so... Jordan Jewish, Jordan Jewish. Who's your like dream? Do you find Larry David hot? He's tall, I guess. And no, no, I don't. There are people who find him incredibly sexy, and I find that hilarious. His personality makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> That's the point, Samantha. Yeah, no, I don't like that. I'm not into that. I'd also don't want someone who's going to be mean to me. Like I feel like he would be mean to me, like in a in a joking way, mm-hmm. but I don't like negging. Oh, like. I like dating older people, but what I find is there's like a particular demographic specifically of men of like an age where they think of like negging as like flirting. And I'm like, making fun of me in this way is like not sexy and I don't like it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Like I bully as flirting, but it's like cute and charming. (sighs) It's not like, it's not like actual digs where I'm like, okay, I don't know why you insulted me. Like that's weird. Yeah, I mean, it's. Do you, I guess you don't like the show then, or you just can't watch it. It's too no, painful. No, I don't like it. Yeah, I respect it. <laughs> you respect Wood. Um, there's a scene where Julia Louis Dreyfus, who I fucking love, mm. you know, she's like a like Elaine from Seinfeld. You know, she's like a it's, French heiress. Oh, good for her. She comes from this family called the Dreyfus family, which okay. in like the 19, 1800s or whatever, they were they were these like Jewish moguls in France. And the government like took away, maybe it was in World War II, I don't remember, but the government like seized their assets. They fell short of like handing them over to the Nazis. And then they got everything back after the war. But they're like this prominent French family that goes back to like, I don't know, Napoleon era. Half of what I'm saying is true. But uh, I just think it's so funny that she's without acting like a billionaire. And there's a lot of people who wear that on their sleeve. Like it's obvious that they're coming from wealth and that's how they made it in showbiz, but not her. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. She's quite gritty. Yeah. She's willing to get weird and dirty. And and I and I do like that. I do love her. And I think she's like a kook. Like she's clearly very hot. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 She got it like that. Like now and then in kind of different ways, but also the same way. You know? I could see you being into like an Elaine moment. Like yeah. kind of dorky, awkward. Doesn't know she's hot. Like, yeah. Yeah. I find do you know who Amy Sedaris is? Mm-hmm. I find her like, she's like kind of strange and she's always making faces and she wears fat suits for fun. I don't know. She's one of the most bizarre people in the world. 
I find her like, like so. Maybe I'm a little bit into the personality. I don't mm. know. Anyway, I, I love. In my mind, when I was a little kid, I'm like, I'm gonna move to New York. And even though I'm 25 years younger than her, I'm going to date Amy Sedaris. That was like when I was 19. I'm like, this is my dream. I've done half of it. So everything is possible. <laughs> I don't think she dates. She's too weird. She just hangs out at home with her rabbits. She also gives me gay, gay vibes. Yeah. Gay. I'm getting asexual vibes. I don't know. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe. I don't think it's going to happen for me. She's in Upper West Side. I don't, I don't hang out there. I got nothing to do there. <laughs> so it's a it's a postal code issue yeah yeah a zip code as as it were zip code sorry no don't be i'm i'm canadian canadiana <laughs> you're living celibacy light samantha what does that mean so celibacy light for me means that um i am not actively pursuing any relationships or new lovers or anything even though several slots came available because i just went through two breakups in a month um yeah so i'm not actively pursuing any new relationships i'm giving reciprocity to my existing lovers uh but if anybody is like not coming to me correctly like in terms of like giving me the attention and uh care and energy that i both need want and desire then i'm just like not interested like it's just like the temperature has to be right for me and there and the, and thusly I will fuck. Other than that, I'm not, I'm not actively pursuing, even though I would love to have relationships. Like I would love to have um, new relationships. So this is your intention. You mentioned to me that your friends find this a bit funny. Is that because you're, this is not what's happening on paper or. They're just like, that doesn't exist. Like celibacy is either celibacy or not. <laughs> Well, by definition, yeah, I agree, but there's no there's no celibacy light. And I'm just like, well, there is like that's practicing. When I kicked um, mixing Xanax with booze, I would (laughs) jokingly say I'm mostly sober because what I'm sober from is the thing that's the big problem. Right. I no longer think that joke's funny. I I am now actually sober. But (laughs) celibacy is a it's I don't like it, but it's an all or nothing word. And that's why it's celibacy light. It's like it's just. (laughs) It's light. How about less having sex-ish? It feels less empowered. Like, I feel like like me claiming it and being like, no, this is my choice that I'm making feels empowered as opposed to I'm having less sex. Like, I am having less sex and it displeases me. Well, But I'm not, I can't, I can't pursue it right now. I just, I just absolutely cannot. But I mean, why is having less sex so bad? I'm, I'm, I'm. I went on vacation with Miranda three weeks ago. We had sex four times in seven days. I don't think we've done that in five years. I love that about, like, I love that when that can happen on a vacation, because I think we've talked about this before in the old show about like vacation pressure uh-huh. and like, especially the partner and being like, okay, like we're, we have to fuck like, and if you don't, you're like, oh, what's wrong with us? Da, da, da. I'm really glad that it happened for you, like really organically. It did. And, and we had sex like three days before the vacation. So really it's like five times in a week, wow. eight days. I'm like, what am I, 14 years old? I guess I wasn't having sex at 14. What am I, 19 years old? I guess I wasn't having sex at 19. No, I was. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, I guess it was good. It felt natural. It didn't feel stressful or pressure or whatever. But I'm like, this is, uh, listen, girlfriend, this is not, I can't be doing, I'm 37. 
I can't live like that. Unsustainable. It's too much. Yeah. Yeah. Are you ever going at that rate or more? Like, wow, do you have time for that? Oh, no. And and even even with multiple partners, I'm not. Like, I, we all have to reconcile with the conditions of our environment, some of which being, like, our bodies and their ability to, like, recover from, like, a lot of action. Dairy for me. You know, dairy. And I like ice cream. So that that's already a few nights off the week scratched. The factor. I, I like to have sex at least once a week like partnered sex at least once a week my ideal would be like two but more than more than like getting off or like having like sex however you want to imagine it i like i like like flirting i like you know i like the like build up i like desiring someone i like them desiring me like that's the most fun part about it for me um and that's why for me celibacy light is so much more about that part it's like what do I actually want right now? And it's like, I want to be desired. I want to be pursued. I want someone to like have interest in me. And I want to reciprocate those things. I'm not just like, oh, chase me. Like I'm not that bitch, but I can't be the one who's like putting it all out all the time. And I have a very real pattern of being attracted to people who are not available. So celibacy light is a part of, of like, no, I want to enjoy the parts that I actually enjoy about dating and sex. Um, It's not just about, hooking up celibacy light celibacy light tm should we end it at that sure why not samantha words cannot i hate when people say words cannot describe blank because i'm sort of like you just described it with words (laughs) how pedantic of you it's a stupid paradox but that's how i feel about about people saying words can't describe it i'm like no no there's a feeling and you just described it with words is this annoying? A little bit. No, no, I'm with you. And I'm not as upset with it, but I hear <laughs> you and your feelings are valid. Like, I don't mind when people say, can I ask you a question? But I empathize with people who find that to be the most annoying thing in the world. As a consent educator, it's important that we preface, in some cases, questions with questions. Yeah, like, I'm going to ask you a question that may be, make you uncomfortable in this way. Would you be okay with that is a fine question. But just the naive, can I ask you a question? I think that I would phrase that question like, what kind of questions are you uncomfortable with? As opposed to assuming that someone might be uncomfortable. This is why I'm, first of all, I don't hit on people. Because second of all, this is why I like talking to you. Thank you. Nationally recognized. Me. I am. In past tense, nobody cares what I'm doing anymore. (laughs) But I appreciate that you do. Uh. I appreciate what you're doing right now. Thank you. And your time. And I appreciate you being here. I love talking to you. I miss you so much. Oh. I wish we all talked every week. Why don't we talk more? We don't also always have to tape it too, you know. You don't message me. I'm practicing celibacy light in my friendships too. I am bad with that <laughs> stuff. I know you are. I don't take it personal. I went on a rant last night how I hate my phone. Because I have an, uh, an iPhone that's five years old. And I don't know if Apple's still doing this. They claim they're not. I think they are. Where they slow the old shit down on purpose, hoping you buy, yeah. hoping you upgrade. So I finally hit that barrier. I can't mm. open up iMessage without it taking 30 seconds. And it's making me hate my phone and hate being on the phone. And I'm actually loving that. But yeah. it is annoying because I, I, like, I don't look at my phone for the first two hours of the day. And then I've got three or four texts being like, call me now, you know, this kind of stuff. Um, I, will make, I will make more of an effort. Bless you. I support you in that. 
my phone has and many phones have the do not disturb function. And it really, it's so helpful because it's like muscle memory to pick up the phone and look and it won't show you anything, mm. even though you might have messages, emails, calls. It's just like, so I'm like, oh, nothing to see here. And then I go on with my IRL life, which is what I really want for me and others. So um, yeah, but as as we said, enjoy talking to you. When you have time, you message me and I will do the same. Okay. Okay. But we should record all of our conversations just for uh, progeny. Is that the word? So other, other people can masturbate to them later. Yeah. I was just in an article about audio porn oh. in Best Health magazine. Yeah. My friend has a friend, <laughs> real personal connection here, who writes or works on, I don't know, Apparotica. Are you aware of this? Mm-hmm. It's sort of targeted to like the demographic is like middle age, Midwestern housewives. Mm. which is so funny it's like the twilight kind of raunchy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anyway it's it's these are these apps and they're sort of like children's choose your own adventure stories with mm-hmm. with illustrations or maybe photos and it's kind of like harlequin novels and it's like sexy apps but like oh undo his pants or oh go to the next door to the neighbor you know that kind of thing and she writes for it and i've been trying to interview her for so long but these people are so heavily in nda there's like not a chance I want that job and I want the app. That sounds so fun. I think the apps are like really tacky and heteronormative and all that. Still sounds fun. So so funny and fun. Yeah. Like it's like cowboy or salesman. Like I want it. I want it. I love that. I love banal sexual situations. Like that's great. I just, it's this whole world that makes it apparently it's, I don't, we're not talking trillions, but it may, it's a big industry. And it's this largely unknown thing, Apparatica. What a thing, huh? I fuck with that heavy. I'm going to download it as soon as we hang up. I'll get you the name of one. All right, I am going to hang up. Samantha, thank you. Bye, 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 bye.